Welcome in everyone to the Sunday recap. We're so glad that you joined us today uh, to go over, man, this week's sermon from Pastor Luke on John 15. So, so good this last week. Hey, uh, joining me today is Pastor Keith Groves. First time on the podcast. Welcome, man. <laughs> hey, thanks. Great to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. So glad you're here. Um, so what's going on? Uh, you know, Pastor Mitch, he just had his baby this just a few days ago. Yeah, little boy. Uh, little Graham, right? Yeah. And so he's uh, at home loving that. Ariel is at a class this week, and I've been wanting to have Pastor Keith on the podcast for some time, just because so much of what we talk about actually integrates with what he does uh, here at Stones, which is really dealing with biblical counseling and helping people. Like it's just really it's pastoral theology, right? It's right. it's helping mm-hmm. people just to know how to apply the Bible in uh, in very helpful and tangible ways. So, <laughs> Keith, welcome on the podcast. Oh, thank you. So Good glad to be you're here. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Keith, before we get rolling into uh, what we're going to talk about with John 15, I would love just to hear a little bit about what you do here at Stones. Would you just kind of unpack that for us? <laughs> All kinds of different things, yeah. but. Uh, Mainly, it's uh, pastoral care and biblical counseling, and and just trying to take care of folks who uh, who need some extra help and encouragement. Uh, of course, usually we'd go to the hospital and visit them if there's something wrong, but we haven't done that now for That's over, right. over a year. So, right. um, but uh, no, in the biblical counseling, we have uh, great training classes that we do uh, every Wednesday, and it's an hour and a half where we give people God's perspective on different topics, yeah. uh, like uh, this. The well, tomorrow our our next class is going to be on uh, what you do in helping people with life-dominating sins. The world calls that addictions. Oh, man. And how you help them and, and how you counsel people. Especially, uh, we're going to be looking at, tomorrow night, we're going to be looking at those who, who deal with sexual sin. Okay. And so yeah. some practical ways to help them and, and what what to look for and, and how to assist. Right. Now, the training process that we have here at Stones, I mean, I, I know on one side of it, where you know you're offering it to to people who want to go through the whole process and become certified as a trained biblical counselor, right? right. I mean, uh-huh. so so walk us through that process. What does that look like for someone to do that? Yeah, well, basically we have what we call five levels, and uh, uh, there the first two levels are uh, each one is a set of fifteen classes that you you attend, and and you learn on the different topics. You learn how to take uh, the information from the the person who wants to be counseling, what kind of questions to ask, and then you learn about the different biblical topics that we uh, we cover, right. like how do you help somebody who's Depressed or somebody who's dealing with anger issues, those kind of things. Yeah. That's the first uh, 30 lessons that you do. That's levels one and two each 15 weeks in a semester. Okay. Uh, and then uh, level three is where we do theological and counseling questions. Uh, that, that's really the fun class that, that I love to do because uh, uh, that's where we get into the deep things of how does the sovereignty of, of God really impact someone who's struggling with uh, you know the suffering that they're experiencing yeah. right now. Yeah. And and so we, we help people go go through what 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 do I do to help somebody theologically and to make sure that people understand what does God's word really teach yeah uh, so that uh, we're not taking things from the world but we're actually taking biblical instruction and helping people and so that's level three we go through all the questions and uh, and then uh a part of that same level, they they watch a few videos of people. And level four for counseling is uh, if you want to become a certified biblical counselor, is where you then 
uh, fill out all those questions. You write them in your own right, okay. <laughs> your own words, and then they're graded. and uh, And you do uh, five book reports, those kind of things. And then level five is where you have fifty hours of supervised counseling. Oh wow! Yeah, and then when you're done with that, then you can become a certified biblical counselor through IABC, the International Association of Biblical Counselors. Okay. So wow, that's a huge process. It's almost yeah. like getting a master's degree in a lot of ways. I mean, <laughs> well, in some ways, yeah, it, yeah. It, it could be. Some people do it very quickly, but uh, most people take somewhere around two years, uh, sometimes yeah. two and a half. Uh, some people have stretched out even longer. Totally. So. Okay. Now, you have also opened up the classes for levels one and two for people in our church just to come if they think that that topic might apply to them. Right. Right. Yeah. So why open it up in that way and not just say like, no, you got to go through the whole class. <laughs> right. Well, we, we want people to understand what is God's perspective because uh, the farther our culture gets away from, from the Bible and from, from a godly understanding of how God wants to work in our lives and what he has designed for us, uh, then we would, we just want people to have God's perspective on these topics that we're dealing with. Mm. And sometimes uh, you may have a family member who's just really angry. And so you want to go to the class on, anger to, to, to look at what's God say about anger and how we deal with that. Yeah. And so we want to provide people with just some extra help. And a lot of times too, when, when people come and they attend three or four classes, they're like, oh, this is really good. We want to keep going. Right. And even though they may not become a, a taste of it. Yeah. And they may not become a certified biblical counselor, but still they've, they've gained great insight into what they can do to help their family and friends who come to them for help. Absolutely. It's so neat that you can actually come back to God's word with all of these different issues. And there's actually real tangible help in God's word for right. the things that we struggle with every day. And and I think too, the other thing that that's, that's critical for us to understand in this is that we all struggle. Like, I mean, everybody has a right. struggle in, it's not, it's not like something, it, I, I, I guess what I want to say is I feel like sometimes there's a stigma when it comes to going to counseling right? where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm broken. I messed up. Everyone sure. else is better than me type of a thing. Right. But that's not the case. No, no. We all, I mean, even pastors yeah. <laughs> need to talk to people about things uh, periodically. You know, to, to just, uh, we all struggle right. in life. And, and God wants us as Christians to be able to help one another. And, you know, John 15, 14 says, you know, Paul says, hey, listen, I am confident in you, brothers, that you are good and that you are able to help one another. And that word for help there is the word admonish, which means to put into mind the things that God wants each of us to have in mind. And, and so that's yeah. where, you know, we just want to train one another so that we as Christians can help one another make it through life to accomplish God's will for our lives. That's really cool. So. Well, hey, if you're listening to this today and you want to get some more information about the Biblical Counseling Training Program here at Stones, reach out to Pastor Keith at keith at stonescrossing.com. Well, this week, Pastor Luke got to preach, uh, continuing the I Am series with John 15 verses 1 through 13, where he talked about how Jesus said, I am the true vine. Um, what an incredible passage. And a passage, too, that I think um, is, uh, th this whole section is actually really, in some ways, kind of confusing, uh, because it seems to confuse um confuse us about sort of the order of how things work right. in our, in like in the Christian life. Um, so what I would love to do just to start, uh, Keith, because you have 
the uh, the amazing radio voice. Could you could you read this passage for us? This is ver- uh, chapter fifteen, verses one through thirteen. Sure, be glad to. And people will just play this on repeat over and over again just to hear you say it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, here's what uh, Jesus says in John chapter fifteen: I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That is to bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be to my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah, and you can just clip out that soundbite, people, and put that on your phone. (laughs) Just listen to it all day long. (laughs) And hopefully you don't fall asleep while you're listening, right? (laughs) We we love uh, to compliment Keith on his voice all the time. It's good stuff. So... um, one of the things I thought was so interesting that um, Luke pointed out, I had never seen this before, but he, he took us to, starting in verse one, you know, it says, uh, Jesus says, I am the true vine, right. is how he starts this. And he pointed us to Psalm 80, verse eight, which reads, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. And in this image that the psalmist is saying here, it, it really seems like what he's saying is that the vine is Israel, right? is Israel, yeah. which I thought was fascinating. And, and it reminded me of the way that, um, uh, that, you know, in, in, in Exodus, and this is Exodus chapter four, verse 22, Israel is actually also called God's son. In, the, in, in that in that passage. And so there, I'm like, wait a minute, there's something going on here where the Bible seems to be talking about Israel as being this this hope, you right. know, this, this hope for the nations. And it drives me all the way back to, um, honestly, all the way back to Genesis 3.15. So Genesis 3.15 yeah. is the, the first gospel, the proto-evangel. Right. And in, in that passage, it talks about how in, in the, this is the curse that's given to the serpent, and we see so much grace in this curse, but, but, um, but the curse that's given to the serpent, as it concludes, it says um, that, uh, you know, there's going to be enmity between the, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, right? right? Mm-hmm. And that the seed, uh, that the, whoever this seed of the woman is, is going to crush the head of the serpent. And so it seems like the whole time, you know, people are, are just waiting and waiting and waiting to see who is going to be the one that's going to crush the head of the serpent. And as you get right. to the nation of Israel, it's like, no, it's the whole nation of Israel. The nation <laughs> of Israel is going to be the one that's going to do this. But then 
Israel fails like over right. and over again, Israel fails. And so, um, and so ultimately it ends up coming down to just one person and that's the person of Jesus Christ who is sure not, he's, he's, he's more than the vine that is brought out of Egypt. He is the true vine. Right. Uh, is, is what he says. So that was a shocking revelation for me, just kind of putting all those pieces together. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't heard that concept before too, but, but it really makes sense when you see what he's talking about and how, you know, God did choose Israel out of all the nations to be the one that would bring all these possibilities right. and the Messiah. Uh, you know, who is Jesus Christ uh, to be. And it's interesting too, thinking about this whole true vine idea, uh, it just struck me that Paul talks about how, you know, he Israel and the, the Gentiles can actually be grafted in, yeah. ta- taking that whole idea of this vine and the branches mm-hmm. and how we are grafted in there yeah. to actually be part of, of the true Israel as, yeah. as well. So. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, the, it's like the, the metaphor just keeps going. going. Yeah, yeah, it does. That's so good. Well, I, what I want to get to here a little bit, because I think this passage can be somewhat confusing for people when they come across it. The The issue that that I think we, we run into is that it seems like this is talking about this idea that, you know, um, that like we sort of have to earn our way to kind of stay in the vine, in, in, in a sense. So, like, you read some of these passages that, you know, it says, like, verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It's like, oh, that's that's kind of scary. That's bad news. Right. Yeah. Uh, he says, you know, if anyone does not, this is verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned. I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be one of those. <laughs> that's right. But then at the same time, verse 3 says, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, what is he? What is he getting to here? Um, so, help. Let let let's just talk for a minute and kind of unpack this idea of what does this mean? Where like how do how do we sort of merge these two ideas together? What he's saying. What is he actually driving at here? What do you? Yeah. Well, I think what he's talking about, you know, we're already clean because the word he's spoken to us. And so when that word is spoken to us, when we receive the message of Christ and when we trust in him. The gospel. Yeah, the gospel message and we respond to that, then, uh, you know, because God has led us to do that that by responding to him, Mm -hmm. then he has cleansed us because his word is truth. Yeah. And so he he cleanses us and and makes us righteous, gives Mm -hmm. us the righteousness of Christ, actually, you know. He, he imputes that on us, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to use the theological term, I guess. Uh, but he gives that to us. And then the neat thing is what he's saying is you have a relationship with the vine, the true vine, yeah. as you mentioned just a minute ago. And so because we have that relationship with the true vine, then we need to abide. And we it's not just that we need to, but we want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of like once you get married, hopefully it's not just oh good I got my wife and and you know and, and <laughs> I'm going to kick back and relax. Right. But it's hey I have this lady you know who is now my my spouse and I love her I want to get to know her I want to enjoy life with her and and that's really what he's talking about is abiding with Christ because of our great love mm. and our appreciation for the cleansing He has given to us Absolutely. that we want to stay in that relationship with Him yeah. and, and we don't fear so much being thrown into the fire but we love Him so much we stay close to him right and we're not earning anything uh, and that doesn't make our relationship closer to him because of what we're doing but it draws us closer to him rather than of course he's as close as he's ever going to be to us yeah yeah <laughs> and, and so you know sometimes when we feel like christ is distant uh, the question is okay who moved 
Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't God who it's moved away. <laughs> it was me who backed away a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's, that's just amazing to see that he, he wants to have that close relationship with us. I think that's a great way to put it because, you know, we, we see here a tension between what God is doing right. in, in us and then our responsibility in that as well. And both mm-hmm. of those, I think, are being represented here in that. So God, I mean, he has cleansed us. He has given us his word. He has done this incredible work. The, the, that cleansing verse reminds me of uh, what it, what Ephesians chapter 5 talks about in marriage, right? That that yeah. parallel with marriage where, where uh, the Apostle Paul is admonishing husbands to wash their wives in the word, right? right like, yeah. like that that idea. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He, he right. has cleansed us through his word. So we're already clean. We're already justified, right. you know? Uh, and so what that means then is, is then for us to abide, but then... I, I don't know. I, I, I guess. I guess. I mean, the, the way that that I that I heard you put it here was just like, why would you not want to? Right. At that point, you yeah. know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's something that it's just an it's an inner motivation because of the relationship yeah. with Christ. It's not something you feel like you have to do, but it's something you really want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. Um, one of the things that that I think happens sometimes, and 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 Keith, I would love to talk with you about this. With like some of just the experience that you've had in pastoral counseling as well. But what happens when we get this wrong? Like when we get this backwards? Yeah. Well, I, I, I tell you, it, it can be really frustrating when, when people, uh, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to someone now and trying to help them to understand who Christ is mm. and to actually come to that initial position of faith yeah. in, in Christ. But, you know, I can't force that person to, to understand the, right. the gospel and to want to internalize that. that. That has to be God and through the Holy Spirit and the Word working on that person's life so that they then want to respond. And, and it's just one of those things to where sometimes we get it backwards where we think, listen, I have to get my life right. I have to stop the sin or that sin mm, or, or, yeah. or really think right or, or behave properly or stop using certain words I shouldn't use. If, if I can get all that done, then you know. Then I can really start pursuing God. Then I can come to, to church. Right. I can come to God. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And and it's really. I mean, it's not about that. It's where you know Jesus says, "Listen, I want to take you the way you are, and then I want you to become more and more." God says, "Like my son Jesus, right. to be transformed into His image." Yeah. And it's something that we need the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to do. We cannot do that on our own strength and power. Right. It seems like we have built in the church, like not just our church, but like the church in general has built sort of this this image of what Christians are like and that right. this sort of this you know can can be sort of this holier than thou type of attitude yeah. and that almost kind of pushes people away because right. they feel like they're not really um, worthy of the love of God right. at the end of the day. Well, that's one of the things I appreciate about Stones is we try to emphasize the grace of God right. and how you know he's done everything and, and it's not something that we do or we deserve, but because of his grace that's been poured on us, we can then pour it on other people yeah. and give it to them so that we don't feel like I have to have my life completely together before I can be used by God, before I can accomplish what God wants, or before I can you know be of any value to anyone, including myself. And, right. and that's not true. You know, because of God's grace, he, he makes all that possible so that we don't have to <laughs> pursue perfection yeah. uh, on our own strength and ability. Now we want to become more and more like Christ. Yeah. And so we pursue him. 
And as we do that, he helps make those changes in our mind, in our heart, in our thoughts, and in our deeds yeah. so that we can become more like him. Right. And it begins at recognizing that we yeah. are broken and, 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 and actually that everybody is, you right. know, and if we're, if we're denying that, <laughs> um, <laughs> and what does it say? In, is that in first John where he says like, if, if you, if you don't believe that you're a sinner, then you're a liar. That's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. He puts it pretty plainly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so we have to start at that place of, of actually recognizing, yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I need right. the grace of God. Um, and, and just by starting there is actually very countercultural because the the culture right now is trying to perpetuate this this idea to us that we are okay right. that we are um, uh, we're actually good at, at the right. core we're, we're, yeah. everyone has a good heart and things like that but what you know Jeremiah seventeen says no the heart is corrupt yeah. <laughs> we're <laughs> all just wicked That's uh, right yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's like wow so. The biblical perspective is so countercultural in that regard, yeah. but we have to start there. We have to start at that place, That's right. and then um, and then we can go move into the grace of God from there. Right. To be honest with you, too, I, I would say just the recognition that we are sinners is part of God's mercy to us. Oh yeah. Like if 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 you're sitting there like, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. Uh, you know, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm 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 broken. I would say that is probably. I would argue evidence that God has been working in your life. That's right. Yeah. Because the people who, <laughs> the people who, uh, who's, who God has not been working in their life would basically stay there and say like, no, I'm good. Yeah, like, and right. I'm going to be living in my sin and I'm, and I'm good. Yeah. I'm good with it. You know, but if you're really wrestling with that, I mean, I think that that's actually really solid evidence of God working in your life. That's right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because you know, he, he constantly over and over says, listen, you got to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Yeah. And when we start tolerating, especially in our own lives, in our own hearts, uh, the sin that that we really should be confessing uh, on a daily basis to God yeah. so, that, so that he can, you know, and, and to confess really means to just agree with God. Okay, I agree that that thought that I had or that word that I said or, or that thing that I did or I didn't do something when I knew I should have, you know, for, for those things that they should convict us through the, the Holy Spirit so that we can go to God and say, God, thanks that you forgive me anyway. That's right. You know, despite the fact that I, I'm certainly not perfect and, and I just want to be used by him. That's one of the things we try to emphasize in counseling is, you know, this is not one almost perfect person helping somebody who's really broken. Mm -hmm. it's, it's one broken sinner just helping another sinner. And, and trying to get both of them so that they grow closer to Christ. Well, let's let's go ahead and move into the next thing here where uh, Pastor Luke talked about this, you know, first he talked about the, who the true vine is, but then he said that, that for us, we are to be a branch. We are to be a branch. And one of the main, um, the, the key words in this whole passage is this word abide. Right? right, or in, in in other translations, it says remain. Right, mm -hmm. this word means literally; it means to wait or to stay. Is 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 what the the Greek word means? What does it mean for us as Christians to actually abide in, in Jesus? Like, what does that look like for <laughs> yeah. us? I mean, it, I mean. It's not like we can like literally plug ourselves into, you know, kind of like the matrix, you know, like plug right. ourselves yeah, into right. the vine. We can't yeah. do that. So what does that look like for us? Well, I think it's interesting. Um, as he was talking about that, well, you're from California. Yes, and, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My in-laws uh, live in Northern California. In fact, mm. they live in Sonoma Valley, which is- Oh, I mean, all the grapevines. Yeah, it's beautiful and, with the grapevines. And yeah. uh, when he was talking about this part, I, I, I could see the grapes, how they have that, that big stalk that comes up from the ground. Yeah. And then the branches- 
are held in place, and they 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 usually have those that go horizontally, right? And then off of there is where you get the fruit that comes up, yeah. And and so they uh, that branch doesn't move around because the the guys who own the vineyards try to have it so it's good and sturdy. The wind doesn't blow mm. it or do anything, yeah. And so it, it's remaining still, it's remaining steady, and that's that's really what I think he's talking about in our lives is we remain in the branch. We have to. It takes a daily connection to Christ. And that has to be something that we intentionally do. That's good. Um, that's why well, a lot of times I'll use the acrostic for pray, which is praise God, uh, and then uh, repent, and mm-hmm. then ask God for help for others first and then ourselves. And then the, the, the fourth one is why yield yourself. And, and I, I like praying that because that reminds me that daily I need to yield myself to God. Mm-hmm. And I need to say to him, I, I'm yours. I'm just a sinner who's saved by grace. Please take me and use me and, and, and help me to do something for you today that, that honors you and brings you glory and praise. Oh, that's good. That's really so. helpful. I, I think that connects exactly to what Jesus uh, earlier in the book of John talks about abiding. And, and he, this is actually going back to last week's passage where uh, in John chapter 6, we were in six last week. I forget where we're at, but back in John chapter six, when he was talking about how he's the bread of life, right. verse 50, uh, what is this? 56. So he's talking about the bread of life and how he is the bread of life. And th- listen to what he says. He says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. That's the same word. Yeah. It says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. It's the exact same language right. that he uses in John 15. And what I think is interesting about this is like the the, the picture there is, it, honestly, it's utter dependency. Right. I mean, we talk about the bread of life analogy that and, and what that picture is. That takes me back to the manna, which we, we talked about on the podcast when we when we did that one. Sure. But we, you know, the idea of of manna was a daily dependency on God yeah. for that provision for that day. Yeah, and it yeah. kind of leads us to, which in that passage where he's talking about that, uh, the Lord's Supper is, is a great way when, when we get to have communion together. Yeah. It's a great way for us to abide in Christ as we're communing with one another as right. well. And it's it's a reminder of our connection that we have with Christ to, to remain in him and abide in him. Yeah. I love the... the, the uh, the, the the strategy that you gave us, that acronym, I think that's really helpful. What are some ways with just kind of with that in mind or maybe some other practical ways that we can come back to that daily dependency on Christ? What are some right. some some disciplines, some things that might help us to come back to that daily dependency? Sure. Well, I think uh, somehow we need to at least get in, in the Word each day because, I mean, God's Word is the main way that He speaks to us right. yeah. uh, these days. And and so, we, you know, we need to know God and know His Word. And so just sit down and read it. And if, if you can really do that, take time to study it. If you need to use a, a Bible app on your phone or yeah. on your tablet, I mean, those things are, are very, very helpful. But getting into the Word, and then I think as we pray, you know, that a lot of people uh, understand that the prayer is not just talking with God, it's conversation with God, which means he speaks to us too. Mm. That's why a lot of times I'll read the word and then actually pray. Like this morning I, I read out of uh, what was it, Psalm 143. Mm-hmm. 
And I, so I, I read that, and then I just, uh, you know, he, one of the things he says is lift holy hands and praise to God. And, and so I took just a minute to do that and, and to actually pray what I just read yeah. out, out of the Psalms. Yeah. So I think taking the Word of God in prayer and, and combining those really makes, uh, makes it a lot easier for us to know what should I pray about and how should I pray because this passage talks about, you know, whatever you ask, you'll have it. Yeah. Well, that course there are other contingencies that john puts in first john where he says if you pray according to the will of the father yeah. it's not just lord help me to have that you know that brand new mercedes that i want when when he he, he may say listen <laughs> right. that ford is good enough for you right so, <laughs> yeah. the ford is sufficient for you <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's good you know uh, i i think too you know just talking about what you said here about you know, praying back the word of God. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, um, something that I'm starting with my family actually is we take a psalm every night right. and uh, read the psalm. And then I've asked uh, myself, my wife, and my two older kids to, uh, during over the weekend, what they do is they take that psalm and they're, gonna, they're writing a, a prayer oh. uh, based on that psalm. So it's praying that psalm back. Yeah, that's great. And so then during the week, um, everyone gets scheduled like wh- what 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 night they're gonna do, uh-huh. and so then they read the psalm and and say their prayer for our whole family, right. and we all pray that together. Yeah. And and you know it, it doesn't take has have to be a long thing, sure. um, something really simple. But but what I love about it is that it's teaching my my family how to look at the at at the scriptures as not just something that they're bringing into their heart, but it's something that then also comes out of them right. as well and and uh, and through that process what that does uh, to to grow them and strengthen sure. them. Sure. Yeah, that's that's very very good. So. Yeah, and I love to uh, if you can uh, to uh, if you find a great verse that really just strikes you, yeah. that's a good one to just write out on a little card and, and memorize that oh, and yeah. and put it into your heart and then periodically it's amazing how God brings that to your mind that may actually help someone else that's as, right. as well that you can share with them. That's really good. The last thing that Pastor Luke talked about is this idea of bearing fruit. Um, so this is really getting into, uh, I mean, it's kind of all over this passage, but right at the beginning, verse 2, every, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, right? So you see this idea of bearing yeah. fruit throughout this passage. Um what does this actually mean to bear fruit? Like from a spiritual sense, what are we talking about there? Well, I think there, there's several different things uh, that are involved in, in bearing fruit. One is um, that, you know, hopefully, eventually, we have a chance to talk to somebody about coming to know Christ mm, like as Lord and Savior. Yeah, so, so sharing the message uh, of Christ. But even beyond that, I think bearing the fruit is just living out, like he mentioned the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, which is, right. is is part of that fruit that's developed, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Yeah. You know, all, all those different qualities uh, that we see that the, the Spirit wants to develop in us. So becoming more and more like Christ and having those qualities. And so that af- that affects how we relate to other people as well. Right. And so when, when somebody else is in a, a really tense situation and we're there with them and they see that we respond instead of out of anger with gentleness, mm. you know, that's, that's a great way of, of sh- bearing fruit for the Lord yeah. by, by allowing him to control the way we respond in situations. That's really good. What do you say to someone who comes to you and is like, all right, Pastor Keith, like I get the whole like love and joy and, and kindness 
and, you know, and self-control, but man, when it comes to patience, I just don't have that, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, how do you respond to something like that when they, when they might say something like that? Right. Know? Well, a lot of times then we'll say, okay, well, what, what, what are you, what really bothers you the most? And so you okay. ask them, well, at, at what times do you feel like you're most impatient? Mm-hmm. And so you can help them to, to see what that is and, and just really trying to help them to see that, that Christ was very patient. I mean, think about all that he endured uh, just to, to be a great example of, of that. And so we really want people to understand that patience, it, it starts in the little things. And it's really hard. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, it's hard. Uh, to, a lot of people, one of the first things I say is don't pray for patience <laughs> because you're going to have all kinds of tough situations. And the only way really, to, <laughs> yeah, they're going to start coming at you big time because that's the way God teaches us pray, patience yeah. is by giving us difficult challenges that we face. Absolutely, so yeah. if someone comes and says, listen, I can do everything but patience, that, then you just try to help them work through and understand why yeah. why am I so impatient and what can I do to develop that patience? That's right. What, what characteristics did Christ have? What did he do? And and show them the benefits of that patience yeah. as well. I think that the, the key word there is what can I do to develop the patience? Because yeah. the, the the thing is, is you know, the, the Holy Spirit, since he dwells within us, he is producing all of the fruit of the Spirit there. The, the, right. the word in the Greek there, fruit, is singular. That's right. The fruit of the Spirit is all of these things. Yeah, they aren't fruits, they're fruit. That's, that's right. <laughs> and that, that means that we actually, even though we may not have, uh, we, we may struggle with patience, we mm-hmm. do have patience. Yeah. It's just a matter of developing it and, and, and helping it to, to, to come out, you that's know. Right. And so I think, I think that's really helpful. And, and working through it practically like that, I think, is, um, is, is so helpful when you're in that counseling situation to actually ask those questions like, you know, what, what is it that's actually making me struggle with this? You know, right, that's, yeah. that's really good. And sometimes we don't think we're as patient as we, we actually are. To somebody else, we may be more patient than they are. And so, yeah, like you said, we're, we're all at different places, and the, the Spirit wants to develop that within us so that each one of those characteristics that, that he mentions as, as fruit of the Spirit, we just gradually grow in and then become more and more like Christ in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think this is goes right to what Jesus is saying because you know he, he what he says here. This is actually one of one of my favorite verses in all of scriptures. Verse five, right? He says, "I am the vine; you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." That's right. And that last part, I think, is is it it, it always sticks with me because it, mm-hmm. it it reminds me one. If, if I ever want to do anything that pleases God, I have to do it in his power. That's right. Uh, I have to do it with the help of his spirit. Um, and I can't do anything that pleases God without him. Like, like mean, That's right. I mean, absolutely nothing. Uh, a good other passage for this is Hebrews eleven six. It says, um, uh, without faith, it is impossible Possible. to please God. That's right. Right? And so, so you know, this whole idea of, of uh, you know, being connected to the vine so that we can bear fruit, I think, is huge. Um, you know, we, we, we think that, I just think that so often we think that we can do it on our own. That's right. Well, and uh, I don't know about you, but I remember one time when I first heard this verse, I, I kind of drew back and I thought, well, wait a minute, you mean apart from Jesus, I can do nothing? Yeah. Well, wait a minute. I've, I've done some things and 
You know, right. I know it hasn't. And, and what he's really talking there is, oh yeah, you can do stuff if if you don't have Christ in your life, or if you're doing it under your own power. Yeah. But he's saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. What he really means is nothing of lasting eternal value. That's right. I mean, yeah. you can do all kinds of stuff that's just going to fade away. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to do something of lasting and have has eternal value, you can't do it without the strength of, and the power of Christ moving you along and helping you and motivating you to do that. You can't do it under your own strength and power. It's just not possible. That's really good. One of the th- things that Luke did at the very end of his message was talk, he basically gave us two questions to ask ourselves. He says, what, you know, basically he's trying to get to, to, to help us to, to know what sorts of steps could we take to kind of help to, to, um, uh, to walk in this, um, in this, like in this abiding in Christ type of a thing. And, and what he asked was first, what stirs your affections for Christ and what robs you of your affections for Christ? Yeah. Great questions. questions. And, and I think, I I think it was just wonderful because there, there isn't really a one size fits all for every person. That's true. I think it's very, very personal for each person of like, Mm. what, what is it that actually motivates you towards, towards your love for Christ? And then, to do those things often, right? Yeah. yeah. That's uh, and I'm like, yeah, that's really, really good. What is it for you, Keith? What What is it that really stirs your affections for Christ? I, uh, what initially comes to my mind is it's it's great when I when I can actually see and know that God is working mm-hmm. in, in what's happening. For instance, like uh, sometimes you get into a counseling situation and and you're praying all along. Of course, you've prayed ahead of time. You've tried to prepare, but 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 then when it's amazing when you see God show up and do some things and bring some things to your mind and and some things are said that that maybe you said or the the counselee has said, yeah. and, and that you can feed off of that and really. Uh, bring about what God wants to work and what yeah. God is working in. And so you know the Holy Spirit is a part of that whole conversation. And to me, that really keeps me going and motivates me by saying, okay, God is working here. And when you yeah. see people changing and when you see them responding to God and, and, and following his direction, that that really motivates me to just keep loving and, and, and going forward because there are also yeah. cases where you're like, oh, did, you know, did they even hear what I said? Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> yeah. just brings forth praise. You just see God oh, yeah. at work. You're like, oh man, God is so good. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's so amazing. Yeah, because I, and that that motivates me to just love Him and love other people more. Yeah, and uh, and, and because I, and the other thing He says, and this is my commandment that you love one another. Well, He commanded us to love each other. Well, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest with you. It, there are probably people that periodically we look at and say, well, God says I have to love that person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when hopefully as we pray for them and as we do love them, we get to the point to where we say, you know what? I do love that person. Yeah. Not just because I have to, but because, you know, God has moved my heart so that I, I care about that person well, and, I, really and cool. I really love them. And and we all need some help loving people even in better ways. Yeah, So. yeah. I mean, for, for me, what stirs my affections for Christ is, um, honestly, it's, it's, a lot of times it's, it's when I'm uh, either reading his word or sometimes when I'm listening to a sermon uh, or a teaching on the scriptures and it comes back to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I get to see Christ in, in, in that passage of scripture and his work, uh, or I get to see just the, uh, just the beauty of, of this incredible, like very backwards thing that we call the gospel, you right. know, uh, where, you know, we always think we have to earn it, but no, God is giving it so graciously, his love so yeah. graciously. And there are times, and I've shared on the podcast before, but there are times where 
I'm like just moved to tears right. because of the grace of God sure. in those times, you know? Um, I know, but I know like, you know, it's not the same for everyone. Right. So like, right. I think for some people, um, for some people it's, it's when they're in prayer, you know, right. that, 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 that just when they're, uh, when they're, when they're praying and that the Lord, um, just blesses them in, mm-hmm. in that time of prayer. Um, I know for some people it's, it's through music, listening right. to, um, just having, having great Christian music on throughout the day that just blesses them yeah. and encourages them and strengthens them. Um, yeah, it could be when you're driving in the car and, and this song comes on that just really touches you yeah. and, and helps you to realize, wow, yeah, God is good. Or being around friends. I know that's what Luke said, like mm-hmm. being around just good Christian friends that are encouraging them and having great spiritual conversations. Yeah. Um, man, that is so that is so encouraging too. So I would encourage you guys at home as you're as you're listening to this, think about what are the things that stir your affections for Christ? And right. how can you do those things more often? How can you how can you actually build that into your schedule, right. you know? Yeah. Well, it just makes sense that if if something really uh, affects us in a positive way to become more like Christ, that's something we need to key in on Absolutely. and try to do it more frequently. It's like working out, right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah you know it's a good thing. Uh, make time for it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes you have to force yourself, and when you're in the middle of it, you're like, I'm glad I did that. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's so good. Well, Keith, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. I uh, just really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. Oh, so. thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, man, sure. yeah, it was so good. Um, hey, listen, if you want to learn more about the Biblical Counseling Training Program here at Stones, or if, if maybe you're at a point right now where you're like, you know, I think I would really love to actually talk to someone, uh, reach out to Pastor Keith. He would love to, to connect with you That's and right. talk with you about yeah. those things. Um, and then next week, we're going to dive into... Uh, week five of the I am series next week is Palm Sunday oh, yeah. actually that's right so that's coming up this this next week two weeks till Easter wow. I know. yeah sure. we're so close <laughs> uh, but that's coming up next week so we'll see you next time on the Sunday recap <laughs>